Press Control to crouch. The Crouch Peak Podcast. Welcome to the 10th episode of the Crouch Peak Podcast, as always, a part of the Recipe Media Network. Um, I'm just going to jump straight into it. Um, You know, quick introduction, of course, I am Lucas, your host. If you'd like to find me on Twitter, you can find me at Lucas at RBM. And I'm just going to hop right into it. Uh, For this episode, we're going to take a look at the previous month of November and do the player performance review. We're going to just chalk up... um, what players performed well uh, in the month, and then what players performed poorly during the month. And uh, this time around, I have three and three, so I'm just going to jump right into it. Um, Starting with the good, as I like to do, uh, this time around we have two members of the same team uh, on the good side, so I'm just going to hop right into it to start the, the list. We have Nico. And uh, I'll get to his teammate after. I'm sure you can already figure who it is. But nevertheless, we have Nico of FaZe Clan, the in-game leader, uh, as well as uh, entry when he so calls for it. Um, This time around, Nico had a really good month, actually. Um, This FaZe lineup has been progressively getting better. Brokey and Coldzera, the more repetition that these guys have, um, the better the lineup is looking. And very quickly into the lineup's uh, inception, they were able to beat uh, lower tier teams of the top tier, if that makes sense. So like your six through tens, I suppose, like the the more easily beatable top teams, which is something you want to see right off the bat, just because. Me personally, I always fear that seeing a player like Nico in game lead can serve as a detriment to his individual performance. But um, as we have noticed, like specifically from this month, um, when the machine is well oiled, then that's not, it doesn't matter. Uh, when everything is operating according to plan and this phase lineup is firing on all cylinders, then Nico can absolutely still be the star-studded rifler that we are used to. And through the month, FaZe played 22 maps, and him individually had a 1.26 rating, which uh, is incredibly high in case you aren't aware. And over the month, uh, through the 22 mu- uh, maps, Nico actually led his team to a 15-7 and win-loss record, which I thought was uh, pretty impressive, actually. Again, this is a guy who is not nearly as experienced um, in in-game leading, but nevertheless, FaZe were able to secure these wins pretty, um, some of them convincing, that's for sure. Like, they came into Blast, Copenhagen, firing on all cylinders, they blew out Astralis, they blew out Cloud9, they beat Nip in a best of three. Like, they had some uh, pretty high moments, that's for sure. And one thing that was very impressive to me um, on the on the preparation side of everything is how FaZe were able to win on so many different maps. They actually won on six of the seven maps in the map pool besides Vertigo, which they did not play at all last month. And 
if you look across the various maps that FaZe played throughout the month, um, Nico's high points in terms of frags for each of these maps is actually pretty impressive. Um, no lower than 23, which is overpass. He had 23 on overpass, 24 on mirage, 27 on train and nuke, 28 on inferno, and 29 on dust too. So um, he's getting high impact on every map that they played. And these are against top teams like Fnatic, EG, Na'Vi, Vitality. So these aren't slouches, that's for sure. These are teams with equally as dominant um, sources of firepower. Guys like Simple, Zywu, you know, Broland, Crims, um, Cirk, Breezy. Like, we're talking high-profile riflers. And uh, on an individual basis, um, you know, stepping away from the in-game leading side of it, his mechanical prowess was... Um, very obvious when I mentioned those, you know, the top frags per map, but uh, through the month, Nico secured a 0.83 KPR, which is extremely impressive. Again, this is a man who is in-game leading at the same time. Now, I don't know to what extent. Um, it's pretty safe to assume that Goldzera is probably chiming in at some point, but nevertheless, uh, Nico is the accredited in-game leader, and... Um, you know, that will always be a factor when looking at his numbers. And uh, he's not dying um, nearly as often as he's uh, getting these frags, even though that I mentioned at times he does throw himself in that opening role. Uh, he's only dying at a 0.64 rate, so like uh, one-fifth as often, which is a nice uh, show of statistic. His impact rating is pretty wild, actually, uh, at a 1.34. And his ADR is sitting pretty at a 90 damn near. So um, I, I'm not going to try and get too stuck on these numbers throughout the whole podcast for each of these players. I just really wanted to hammer home how impressive these uh, statistics by Nico were just because at points in the year, he did look good with the previous iterations of the phase lineup, but he also had some really low points. And he was a topic of conversation regarding if he would fall victim to um, becoming an IGL and then losing that mechanical ability. But uh, overall, he has shown that, you know, it's here to stay. If, you know, people who never doubted him would obviously think that's a crazy question. But some people really did think that, that uh, his ability was in danger. And over the course of the month, he ended his uh, official average KD at 20 and 16. So about plus four per map, which is good. And then his plus minus on the month was an astounding 104 through 22 maps. So, uh, you know, that's that a set approximate four that I was just talking about. Um, and again, these are against teams uh, that they scored victories over, like Fnatic, Vitality, EG twice, Nip in a best of three and a best of one, and then Navi and Astralis in a best of one. So, um, you know, all in all, a good month for him. The only blemish that I would say for him was uh, in his low points were pretty low. He had like something like three kills against Astralis, two kills against Astralis on these two maps. Um, and then against Vitality, he had eight frags when they lost on Inferno. He, so like his low points were just pretty low. Um, and then moving over to Coldzera. Coldzera has been progressively getting better since uh, joining the lineup. Uh, not that I, I, I don't think that was really a talking point, his ability. I know some people 
questioned whether or not his baiting, uh, you know, his over his over baiting or whatever you want to call it would potentially hinder his success in a uh, phase. But uh, I guess anybody who had that thought, uh, it's not, it's not real. So you don't have to worry about it, but uh, through the 22 maps called Zera, not firing as uh, efficiently as Nico is, but nevertheless, he's still coming off with a 1.19 uh, 0.75 KPR. He's dying at even uh, less of a rate than Nico is, as you'd expect because of the positional difference. Um, his impact, obviously, not as high as Nico's. Again, that is a positional difference. We have uh, somebody who's getting the aggression in early round, which is Nico, versus Colzero, who's getting in the late impact. And what I found really telling about uh, Colzero's month was that he had a one plus a one rating or more in 15 out of the 22 games or maps that uh, FaZe played. And what I thought was very interesting was that in every in every game that Cold Zero was below a 1.0, FaZe lost except for one, which was their 19 to 17 victory versus nip on nuke and then on the flip side of that every game that cold was at a one or above a one phase ended up winning besides one match which was a 14 to 16 loss to eg on inferno so uh through this specifically this sample size of this month um if just taking a stab in the dark it very much looks like uh the success of phase feeds off of cold Zera's individual performance or vice versa. Like something schematically is happening that seems to correlate the two. Uh, that's something I'm going to keep my eye on moving uh, into December. And I am, I welcome listeners to do the same and uh, we'll maybe come to a conclusion on whether or not that was just a, uh, a very lucky set of sample or if, um, you know, if there is an actual correlation to it. But nevertheless, Cold Zera has been playing very well uh, for FaZe. He's not getting high impact um, to the same degree as Nico. His average KD sits at about 18 and 15. So dying about, you know, less, but he's not impacting nearly as much. So either way, uh, the two FaZe members that will be sh that shoulder the weight and um, will be the front runners for production moving forward. Uh, it's a good sign that these two are playing so well together already. And then uh, keeping it in the family, technically, uh, with the Kovacs, we're moving over to G2, and we're looking at Hunter, who transitioned from the crazy lineup to G2. And this month of November for Hunter was pretty stellar in an individual sense. Now, G2 didn't necessarily... Um, light it up team-wise at CSGO Asia Championships, um, or actually, for that matter, this entire month. But nevertheless, uh, Hunter, like his cousin, showed insane ability to uh, impact the game. And at times, I would argue that Hunter looked even more of a threat to his opposition than what Nico does. Um, you go back and you think of Nico at E-League Season 1, his uh, Deagle, I believe Ace, 
against um shit i don't even remember g2 it might have been g2 actually on cash i can't remember who it was against but it was on cash that headshot on b and uh you know just other instances of uh taking over the server right where we don't get that as much as we used to with nico but um and we're and we don't get it as often with hunter like he's very boom or bust right now i feel like but the thing is his impact when he is uh turned on he is i would argue more impactful than nico so hunter to me has a lower floor and a higher ceiling but he has instances of freakish impact and you look over the course of this last month he had 29 against big he had 35 against north and uh these are numbers that g2 has desperately needed from a rifler for a while uh him and kenny s combined if they are both fragging at a top level will be an absolute treat and this first month seeing hunter perform as well as he did makes me excited uh for the prospects of this lineup once they get everything um settled but you know moving down like into december and the further months with uh hunter my my one worry is that um in between his incredibly high impact games he has low impact games which goes back to his uh low floor high ceiling he looks like a very cerebral rifler whenever he's on honestly he is uh just an absolute treat to watch in the server but um these these players that uh really live and die in their mechanical ability when they are at their low points they can look really low and um overall i think he showed um an impressive ability to um frag at a top level he ended with an average kd of 21 and 16 so like sounds very his numbers run almost very like very similarly to uh nico but he showed pretty impressive fragging ability with g2 by uh fragging on nip north and big so you know these are also lower tier top teams so uh, these are not vitalities these are not your um, your uh, your liquids, your astralises, and stuff like that. And what I found really disappointing about Hunter's performance through this month was when it came time for G2 to play Tyloo in a series where you would just expect Hunter, who we talked about being a very high-impact rifler, uh, would show up massively against Tyloo, a team that versus other world-class teams that he's dropping like so he's dropping 35 against north and he's dropping 29 on big and he's dropping 24 on nip so i would assume that he would drop 25 30 35 pretty easily or if nothing else that would be the series where he would go crazy Um, but that was not the case he actually was pretty underwhelming when uh, you put it in this kind of light and my worry from that series about hunter is and i'm gonna obviously you just you you monitor this moving forward i'm wondering if hunter is a player that plays to the level of his opponent so that means in a sense 
when it comes time to playing teams that he's supposed to beat or supposed to play really well against, um, he doesn't. And it's just one series, so it's impossible for me to gauge that this early. It's just something I um, am, am raising a question towards and wondering if uh, that will have any, uh, if that storyline will come up later on in his career. And then um, the other disappointing thing that I found in an otherwise incredibly impressive November was the biggest opponent that they played this month, uh, Evil Genius. Evil Genius is. Um, they lost, which I'm not, that's not what I'm worried about. Hunter's performance is what uh, bothers me. He got flatlined on map two and three. He had 11 frags and 12 frags through map two and three. So compared to map one, he had 24. The first map was dust two. So he goes 24 on dust two, which is a puggy map against a team that can get pretty puggy. And then when it came time to playing on the other two maps, I believe Inferno Overpass, two maps that uh, demand a lot more structure, a lot more discipline. And he had 11 frags and 12 frags. So I'm wondering if Hunter is a player that um, downgrades his play when he plays lesser talented opponents. And I'm wondering if Hunter is going to be stuck in that in that little phase that I feel is something that plagues a lot of mechanically strong players is that um, they are only capable of playing really well in maps that allow them to do so. And again, this is a topic of conversation that I personally like to bring up. I don't really like that G2 uh, often picks dust two first and i often get nervous about a player whose favorite map is dust two because what that says to me is that they don't have um an extremely deep understanding of the game uh it gets me a little anxious about their mm, i don't want to say decision making that seems like a reach but i mean that comes with the knowledge of the game it's just if i ask you what your favorite map is you tell me dust two it just screams a lot of uh, generalizations about a player that maybe aren't good just because it's the most puggy map. It's the map that has changed the least in pretty much forever. So, like, nothing really changes about it. It doesn't require you to think that hard. And um, all in all, though, there's a couple blemishes for the month, but I, I was very much impressed with his overall performance. And then jumping into the negative side of things, the three players that I thought uh, very much underperformed over the month, starting with EG, actually, uh, Breezy, the number one, uh, performer for the team was very much not that he on average went negative one per map with a KD of 17 and 18. He had a 0.97 at Beijing a nine one at the CSGO Asia championships. And then he, uh, followed up his poor Chinese tour at the ECS season eight finals at a one Oh three. Um, through the 23 maps, that comes out to a 9.7 rating, uh, below average kills per round at 0.65. He died more than he got kills, 70 ADR. I, I mean, it was, this is a shell of Breezy. This is probably the, this is far and away the worst month that he's had. Uh, he had 62 more zero frag rounds 
than he did rounds where he got at least one frag. So that is that's a crazy statistic. 62 more rounds with zero frags than rounds he had one frag. Uh, and this is a guy that's supposed to be fighting for definitely top 10, maybe top 5. And um, the only series where he played to his statistical standard from start to finish was against Tai Lu, which, again, not wildly impressive. Uh, against FaZe, he was in the red 3 of 5 games played. Uh, against MIBR, in red 1 of 2. Against G2, in red 1 of 3. Against Mouse and Liquid, um, both games, they he was in the red, so... Two games against Mouse Sports, two games against Liquid. He was uh, in the red. And then two of three games against Astralis. And FaZe, maybe not FaZe at the moment, but, you know, the trajectory is looking up. So FaZe, Mouse, Liquid, Astralis, like these are the teams you need to be able to beat. And um, obviously EG has had little problem dealing with phase and mouse but like with liquid and astralis you really need breezy to show up um and i really assumed that that these two chinese events were coming at the right time for breezy to just go uh you know just go wild have a heyday statistically and with astralis attending beijing and liquid not attending beijing i thought that was a good opportunity for eg to uh, have a really good run, and then give Breezy a good opportunity to uh, lift himself up in the top 20 rankings. And then you move over to the CSGO Asia Championships, uh, where EG, Mouse, and Ents are the three best teams there. And like it, it was just totally, to me, it just screamed, this was Breezy's month. I really thought this was going to be his month. And then on the contrary, it was his worst month. And so that's... That's that. You know, I, I don't know what else to say about that. Um, I thought this would be a good time for him to jump up. And it looks like right now he is either stagnant or decreasing. But uh, moving away from him, going finish, uh, we're looking at Sergey. His uh, woes have continued since the addition of Sunny. This month was equally as bad for him. 0.95 rating. He's dying more than he is getting frags. 70 ADR when it came time to playing uh, mouse sports he had 26 on their first map of Mirage and then he follows map 2 with 12 frags map 3 14 frags and then when it comes time to playing mouse again in the two maps uh, he produces 14 and 13 so 26 12 14 14 13 and then when Entz played 100 thieves four times at Beijing he produced 12 frags, 14 frags, 17 frags, 15 frags. So this is the guy that's supposed to be the number one for Ents, a team that made it to uh, the finals of a major, a team that was competing at an extremely top level. And now I know they got rid of their IGL and they're in a huge transition and stuff, but um, if Sergey is supposed to be this heavy hitter that we claim he is, that cannot be an excuse. Um, but since Alexi B left, this guy's been a shell of himself. So we'll have to just monitor it. 
through the duration of the year and moving forward into 2020 and uh, all that other stuff. But I mean, he's a young guy, so it's it's still really early in his career. He can turn it around, but it's been pretty disappointing to watch Sergey's um, decline since Alexi B was removed from the lineup. And last on the list, and probably least, we have Apex, somebody who I've been kind of hard on uh, as of late, actually pretty much as long as I can remember. Um, Apex, he had 53 more zero round fra- zero frag rounds than he did uh, rounds with one frag, similar to Sergey, who was or not Sergey Breezy, who was uh, in the 62 round range. So Apex equally as ineffective as Breezy in his worst month, uh, to give you kind of a, an idea. Uh, this is a guy that before Shocks joined the roster, he was primarily sought out as the entry in tandem with Zaiwu. He was uh, attempting opening kills at the same percentage rate obviously not succeeding at the same rate because then vitality would be unstoppable if they had two Zaiwus but for the month you know this guy he he this guy Apex he has his uh, attempt percentage reduced right around the time Shocks joins the lineup and then as we progressively get uh, you know more into uh, the repetition with the lineup and then now into the end of this month um, Shox just outright surpasses Apex in uh, attempt percentage as entry. And even though Shox's numbers weren't wildly impressive either, they were in fact better than Apex's in success percentage and rating. Again, not by much, but he still surpassed him. And honestly, at this point, I feel like the only thing keeping Apex on this roster is the fact that there is not a replacement. Um, when you look at the free agent pool, I just, I don't know who would fit in this roster. I mean, it's just, they have, it's four French and then one English. Um, and I like the French talent pool is so thin and I don't know like where that gap would get bridged. I don't know if they would go uh, to another country and if they did where else and it's certainly not like you're going to be able to pluck another um, talent out of England that Alex knows or anything like that so Apex overall on this month uh, was wildly disappointing and his primary use or function on the team previously he appears to not uh, be needed in that role uh, it looks like shocks is starting to take some of his reps. So I don't know if they're like, is if this is like a, a phase out time, like if they're phasing him out or if they're just trying to rework him into the system, or maybe I'm just completely off on the mark and, uh, it's, it was just a one-off thing, but either way, uh, that's going to do it for my list to recap, uh, my three positives for the month, Nico cold and Hunter. And then my three negatives on the month, Breezy, Sergey, and Apex. Uh, that's going to conclude the 10th episode of the Crouch Peak Podcast, as always a part of the Rush B Media Network. Thanks again, guys, for listening, and I'll catch you guys next Wednesday. Press control to crouch. The Crouch Peak Podcast.